Technology has never been more vital to the success of people and organizations around the globe. And that's where you come in. Welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Mikel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. This week we explore how tech education can be a force for social transformation. We interview Karen Boos, co-founder and CEO of Bcode, a Belgian coding school bridging social divides by empowering at-risk individuals. Plus, visit mindquest.io slash blog for a list with some of the best developers in the UK to follow online. But without further ado, let's welcome Karen. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for being here with us. You are a self-described social entrepreneur. You have kick-started very successful digital transformation and innovation projects over the years, including the European Startup Network, which was Europe's first network of national startup associations. Could you tell us a bit more about how your professional career began? How did you enter the tech space? I started my career working for an interim office, basically helping people find their their first or, or a new job, at least. And that was really rewarding and fun to do. But we were working mostly for production and, and logistics companies. So, I mean, they were working through the weekends, multiple shifts. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, calls coming in from the from the customers at all odd hours. Uh, and when I wanted to start a family, I thought that might not be the most suitable career choice for me. So I joined at, at that point a brand new uh, research institution focusing on software innovation. I joined as a mark, uh, management assistant, so I had absolutely nothing to do with the with the tech part of the company. But basically, you know, it was a starting institution, and we grew quite rapidly. So I evolved into marketing and communications, um, took on the HR as well for like a 1,000 people uh, research staff uh, across multiple universities in our country, um, working closely with partners in industry to understand their needs and, and to design basically software solutions for like real life problems out there and not just economic problems, but also societal problems like, you know, children being long term ill and then being isolated from the learning environment. And how can we make sure they keep you know, in touch both for their learning experience, not to, to, to lag behind, but also for social interaction. When it was the, the pre-internet era, so we, we started working on solutions so they could have a virtual playground and you know, play and chat with their friends, stuff like that. So it was really cool. That's what got me interested basically in technology, not for the technology, but for you know the leverage it offers to, to bring uh, societal solutions or, or bring humane solutions. <laughs> and then you went on to create several business and career development projects, as well as Europe's first startup network. At what point did you decide to dive into education and create B-Code? What I found out is that you know, there's a huge war for talent raging all over, not just for the startups, but also for the bigger companies. Uh, and on one of the international missions to Kenya, we actually visited the coding school where they were taking people off the streets, literally you know, housing them in big containers and then giving them a, a trainer to become a programming um, programmer rather, and, and then basically uh, build them to European startups mostly, <laughs> looking for new talents to acquire and, and, and offering them as remote employees. And so I thought, like, cool idea, but maybe there's you know, solutions to be found, similar solutions closer to home. And I understood, like, okay, we have a huge economical problem. I was aware of that already. You know, if we're not going to find the right talents to join these companies, then, uh, then we're going to be in trouble you know, from an economic point of view. But we also have a huge societal problem with lots of people that are being isolated, cornered, you know, without much perspective. Being the mother and stepmother of five teenagers, that was kind of in my face. You know, if you don't help to resolve this, this issue, the two actually, 
my children are going to be in huge trouble five to 10 years from now. So for me, the sense of urgency was pretty high. Uh, and, and that's how, how Bcode emerged basically from the multiple professional experiences I have, my love for education, my, my experience in the HR industry, my experience in the marketing, my, my first steps as an entrepreneur. It basically all came together in, in the Bcode project where, where we basically go hunt for the untapped talents over here, not necessarily only on the streets, although sometimes we do, <laughs> but we go look for the people that are low educated, long-term unemployed, have a migrant background, or you know, for whatever reason are struggling in the job market today, but definitely not for lack of talent or lack of motivation. And how do you reach these at-risk people and help them realize and unleash the potential of a career in tech? We, we go search them, we, we try to inspire them into considering ICT as a career, because often the problem is not that they're not talented, but that they don't know that they're talented. They're not aware of the potential that they have. So there's a lot of awareness, you know, and, and evangelization to be done towards those audiences to get them excited and to consider such a career choice. And then we help them basically through really, really hands-on training programs, you know, no theory, no ex cathedra, um, no listening to the big expert who will tell you what to do, but basically trial and error. And we give you a small exercise, then a project, then something more complex, etc. And a, a small group of peers and, and, you know, lots of resources that you can draw on. And basically, you know, nobody reads a manual before they start solving a puzzle either, right? They just, you know, they pick up the pieces, they try bits and pieces, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, you know, you search for another solution. And that's what they do. And, and that works really well. What skills are you putting the focus on for your tech education program? Yeah, well, the fun part is that we're actually not that focused on the tech skills themselves. I mean, it's, it's again, it's a means, but it's not an end in the sense that what we focus on mostly is teaching them how to learn in a technical environment. Because whatever competency or programming language or you know, technical skill we would teach them today, tomorrow... The, the, the context and the technologies will have changed. And so they will have learned basically nothing or at least not to how to continue developing themselves as a professional. So we focus a lot on learning how to learn, uh, you know, understanding where the resources are, how you can apply that to a use case, how you unlock, you know, if you get stuck, how you build a network uh, of peers where you can go and ask for advice, how you look at examples and then copy-paste, but not exactly copy-paste, you know, and then debug. So it's, it's much more about the soft skills and, and, and the learning process around that technology, which is basically applied to certain technologies, you know, for, so that at the end they do come out with you know, a basic skill set uh, of technical skills but mostly the ability to continue learning once they leave uh, the B-Code environment. Um, and, and definitely because, you know, uh, in seven months, you, you, you can't learn everything and anything. So, uh, you know, whatever they come across, they will really, really have to keep learning for probably the rest of their careers. So, and that's what we hear from the companies that hire our graduates. It's a combination of, okay, it's, it's nice to have people with different perspective around the table. Um, but it's also nice to, to you know, to, to see that eagerness to learn and that ability to learn to be a problem solver, you know, rather than, uh, than a, a bringer of problems. <laughs> and, and yeah, and definitely also the, the ability to resolve problems as a team and to work towards goals together, uh, be able to, to do peer coaching and, and, you know, not just go sit in your corner and wait for, uh, for solutions. And what's usually your main piece of advice for those starting out with their tech education? Yeah, my, my main piece of advice is always, you know, dare to fail. If, if you don't try, if you don't experiment, you're not going to learn. And, and I always compare to, you know, if, if you learn how to walk as a kid or even how to ride a bike, which is already a bit more complex, 
you don't go sit down and read the manual first, you know, and then master the manual before you get on your bike or before you take your first steps. You basically, you try, you fall flat on your face at least a couple of times, you know, often harming yourself in, in one or another way. But you get back up on your feet, you know, you look at your parents to ask what it, what the hell did I do wrong? And maybe they will give you a little nudge left or right and you will try again and you will do better. And that's how we learn. It's our natural way of learning which means that we have to accept that in, if we want to learn as adults, we'll also have to fall flat on our face a few times <laughs> and hurt ourselves a little bit and look at other people, you know, for, for small tips and, and pieces of advice. And then, you know, take those uh, and, and try again. And, and that's okay. You know, it, it's, it's not shameful to try something and not succeed from, from the beginning or even not to succeed at all. It's not shameful at all. Uh, but if, if you don't dare to venture and try, then we will we, we get nowhere, basically. So uh, accepting that and embracing that is, is my main piece of advice. <laughs> you have probably seen so many stories uh, over the years at Vcode. What are some of the most incredible personal transformation stories that you have seen over the years? Yeah, it's a tough choice. Huh? We've seen over 1,500 of those stories pass uh, in front of our eyes, and, and many of them are like tearjerkers. <laughs> I think the, the one that touched me the most was actually from, uh, from a, a female refugee. Um, she, she spent two years actually, you know, trying to come, you know, to Europe and get into our country and, 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 and ask for asylum and, and all that. So, and it was a really rough journey where she saw like a lot of hardship and people dying around her and like stuff. I, I, I don't think, uh, she even dares to tell, you know, the, the people that she met here in Belgium. But she did, and then she spent another two years here doing, you know, going through all the motions of, you know, becoming a refugee and then, uh, and, and the, doing the paperwork and learning the local language, etc. And then she came across B-Code uh, basically to see if she, she could launch a career here and in, in a completely new industry. And she was so eager to learn. And while she was with us, she was also trying to get her children, who she had to leave behind, you know, over to the country. And in the end, she succeeded, you know, not only in... in finishing the, the programming course and, and securing herself a job, but also in getting her children here. She was quite fluent, actually, in Dutch by, by the end of the course, which uh, amazed me, you know, on top of everything else that she was dealing with. And she was totally and absolutely convinced that she was going to make this happen. I mean, no was not an option. Um, and, and she persevered. She, she had a rough time during the training at, at certain points, but she always, you know, saw it through and, and found a way out and, and really open also to helping other people. I know when you see people like that uh, graduate, secure a job, see, you know, see them reunited with their children, uh, even though I love helping the local people as well, like those stories, they, they stick with you for life. Uh, but it can be equally rewarding, you know, when you see somebody uh, who's been a truck driver for 20, 25 years and started struggling with the, their, their back, uh, you know, and not being able to drive the truck anymore. And that was basically, you know, their whole life. They, they spend their whole life in their truck and then all of a sudden they're completely stuck. And, and if you can somehow make them see that there might be an alternative career for them and an alternative future which can make them equally happy, you know, um, that too can be a, a life changer. So, yeah, there's so many different stories. It's really hard to pick. <laughs> Finally, what new education projects is the Vico team working on these days? I think so far we were mainly focused on like the pure programming uh, skills and, and, and professions uh, where we are moving now, especially since we, we, yeah, we, we attract and we touch a lot of, uh, of people at risk and whether they're job seekers or employees. What we see is that for some, you know, becoming really a professional programmer is, is, is a good career choice, but for some it's a bridge too far and that's okay. 
so we're, right now we're really looking into developing, or we are already developing a number of, of shorter training programs, either introductory so that they can just taste and try and, and maybe then decide whether it's something for them, yes or no, because they're taking the decision to sign up for a seven-month professional training. Committing yourself to at least uh, trying to build a career out of it sometimes is, is, is a bit much. Uh, but it can also just be, you know, to acquire some basic digital skills to learn how to survive in a collaborative workspace and that we all had to become acquainted with uh, due to the, the global pandemic. Uh, or, you know, how, how to uh, download your, your work schedule from the Internet as, as a factory laborer and, and how to apply for your holidays through an app instead of, you know, paper and, and, and writing. Um, that can be equally rewarding, actually. And, and for many people... If you look at, at recent studies, actually, the, the, the digital divide is mostly on that digital skills. And there, there is a shortage of programmers, clearly and, and, and definitely. But the biggest problem is actually on, on fairly basic digital skills that, that really hamper people from you know, being proficient as a professional, but also just in their personal life. And, and that's a disaster. If you look just in, in Belgium, and we're a quite developed country, aren't we? So and just in Belgium, 40% of all Belgians lack sufficient digital skills to be proficient in what they do today. And if you look at low educated people or people in low paid jobs, that number rises to 75%. That's three out of five, uh, three out of four rather people that are either low educated or in low paid jobs that are you know, just not capable of doing a good job right now or just surviving in our society with the skills that they currently have. So there's a lot of work still to be done uh, and not just on the programming side. That's, that's our conclusion and, and therefore our path forward to include those people as well, not let, leave them sidelined. Thank you, Karen. And now, let's see what happened in technology this week. The annual Google I.O. conference is virtually taking place this week and the keynote for developers came packed with news. The upcoming Android 12 was described as one of the biggest design overhauls in the operating system's history, one that will require Android devs to get acquainted with more than just a couple of new UI elements. Regarding web development, Chrome is getting new APIs for peripherals, while a new automated configuration feature is coming to Firebase. New SEO ranking requirements will come into effect this summer, focusing on load speed, responsiveness, and stability. Last but not least, the company announced Vertex AI, a new managed machine learning platform that can train models without user datasets and lets developers do online testing. <laughs> Moving on to other news regarding Google, the company's efforts to reduce carbon emissions took another step forward this week with the debut of a new capability to shift compute workloads between data centers based on the availability of renewable energy sources. The intelligent platform is capable of predicting ahead of time the level to which a grid will be dependent on carbon-heavy energy sources and shift computing power to regions where renewable energy is more at hand. The system also takes into account the workload's computing power and data privacy requirements. <laughs> Finally, digital transformation is one of those expressions we've heard so many times that it has somewhat lost its meaning. Well, those looking for a refresher should probably keep in mind that a new definition is emerging. While the first wave of digital transformation focused on cloud adoption and an overhaul of IT infrastructure, researchers at MIT Sloan have identified new areas in which companies should focus to become digital masters and not fall behind. Customer experience has become critical for market differentiation and to develop customer loyalty, while employee experience is key to making the whole company work more effectively and reduce employee turnover. The digital transformation of operations has also become more elaborate, leaving behind the mere optimization of processes to deliver new business models based entirely on digital platforms. 
And that's all for this week. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening and until next time. Mm -hmm.